Hello, everyone. This is Richard C. Wilson, founder of the Family Office Club again. I'm going to give a short talk right now on some tax investment strategies. These are things which are a little bit of a preview for what you can hear at our Tax Strategy Summit coming up in Q1. You don't want to miss that event. We're going to have 20 experts and CPAs on stage sharing their tax strategies. And in a single day, your knowledge of the tax code and the parts that are relevant to investing are going to go way up. This is also a little bit of a preview for our new workshop, one of the new workshops coming out next year, which is our investment structures and tax workshop. That workshop is going to be five hours of me teaching about investment structures, different ways to transfer a certain type of investment into another type, or how to boost the potential tax treatment on an investment, or how to use tax structuring to help you raise capital faster, or be a more effective investor through tax strategies. These are all the types of things we're going to be covering within our tax summit and our tax and structuring workshop in 2021. So I hope you can join us for those two events. I'm going to jump into a few quick points here. This is not meant to be a deep dive. It's for sure not legal or accounting advice you should go and implement in any way without seeking counsel about your exact situation. The state, the county, the country you live in, is going to dramatically change whether you can use some or any or none of these ideas and other things such as your level of AGI or your level of income or other credits or deductions you're taking could change how you can use any of these tax ideas. So that's true with anything you hear on a webinar or a live conference. It's obviously not specific to your exact situation. So let me jump right into it here. First of all, why is this important? Well, if you don't optimize your investments for taxation, your differences could be massive. If you look at the um, compound returns of investments, if you can get taxed at an average rate of 25% versus 35% over just 10 years or 20 years, the difference is massive. And a lot of investors know their number one expense uh, is tax. And a lot of investors know that most investments they do are not structured to be super tax efficient. And what that means is there's a bit of a gap in the marketplace that a lot of people would like more tax efficient investments and they're not finding them. We hear complaints from family offices all the time about not finding enough deal flow as it is, even better if that deal flow is tax efficient. So that's why this is an important area to look for because investors care about it. Whether the investor is worth 20 or 30 or $40 million, which at that point, they probably have income coming off their investments that gets them a half a million dollars a year of income or much, much more, um, or whether they're a high earning investor who maybe is earning 600,000 or 1.4 million a year as a plastic surgeon or a business owner or a law firm partner, they're gonna care about being in that top tax bracket and you know helping cover some of their tax uh, risk each year, their tax um, bill each year. So they jump into some of the types of strategies or areas and that you could look into, whether you're an investor or an investment firm or company that is raising capital. Uh, the first area is in QBI. A lot of people do not have their amount of QBI, QBI optimized, and there could be an impact on paying more payroll taxes um, if you pay yourself more uh, versus less, but it might be more than beneficial to do so because of the uh, QBI benefit from doing so. It's just something to look into with your CPA. If you're in the manufacturing business, the software business, especially if you have programmers domestically within the United States, um, or you're manufacturing widgets of some type, a R&D tax credit could be helpful for you to research. 
um, especially if your business is under three years old in operation, there could be a extra benefit of the R&D tax credit. Uh, we've got a member of the Family Office Club that is specialized in helping companies go through that in case you need help there. Um, but also look into whether you could be qualified or your spouse qualified as a real estate professional as a designation in the eyes of the IRS. This is not about a certification in terms of like a training program or a designation with three letters behind your name. It's about going, going on your annual returns and marking to the IRS that you are a quote unquote real estate professional. And the really high level requirements for that is that you spend, I believe it's 750 hours a year or more, and that it is the lion's share of your activity. I believe it means 51% or 60% of your activity needs to be real estate related. And technically I think it's real estate management uh, related. Again, you have to talk to your CPA about this, but it's definitely something to look into if you do a lot of real estate work or maybe your spouse does, whether that's your husband or a wife, because if one of you qualifies and you're jointly filing, then you both now qualify. The reason to bring that up, even if what you're doing is not super real estate focused, but let's say you have seven properties or you do put some of your cash flow into buying real estate, if a spouse is already managing those or could easily be managing those um, a little bit more than they are now or as their main focus for their work, then both of you would qualify then as a real estate designated professional. Why does that matter? It matters because typically you have different buckets of your investments in the eyes of the IRS. And if you have a small investment in a company that you are running full time and there is a depreciation write off of the new asset you bought, a piece of machinery, TI, tenant improvements to a piece of real estate or something else in your operating business that you can depreciate the same year, that can help your tax situation. If you get a piece of equipment financed through a bank and the equipment costs $100,000, you need to put down $50,000 and the bank finances 50,000. Well, that piece of equipment may or may not, but it may be able to be written off at 100% of the value. So you put down 50,000, you wrote off 100,000. And if your tax rate um, is at 40%, then you essentially just saved you know, $40,000 you know, in money that you would have potentially paid in taxes. So the net of that is that that $50,000 piece of equipment, you put down $10,000 essentially towards it. Uh, in the case that you're not in actively running the company, um, but you are somehow actively involved, if you also are designated as a real estate professional, then the fact that you have some active involvement may give you coverage to write off same year depreciation as if you were full-time actively involved in that business. I know I lost some of you right there, but I have this detailed in interviews. It'll be detailed in the tax, the tax strategies summit, and this can dramatically change the tax treatment uh, for yourself or your investors potentially. Just navigate everything you know, we talk about here with an expert, like I said, but researching whether you or a spouse could be designated as a real estate professional, it's worth looking into. That's the bottom line there. Um, net operating losses can be carried back over several years currently due to the recent uh, CARE Act changes. So uh, um, doing research on NOLs, net operating losses, uh, could be worth looking into. Um, engineering studies on real estate so you can depreciate buildings and properties faster is something that a lot of people don't leverage. They don't know they can do this on an expensive single family home. Uh, in one case, one of my clients spent $2,800 
to get a study done on their home and had a $350,000 protection of their income that year, saving them over $100,000. That's an example of a cost segregation. The final thing I'll talk about here is depreciation um, and different ways to handle and allot depreciation. Um, some CPAs have different opinions on how aggressive or how to handle uh, depreciation between different investors. But if your operating agreements allow for it and you have an agreement to the allotment, who gets what depreciation at the end of the year that's available? Um, like, let's say you built a new medical spa and you have $600,000 of tenant improvement and equipment that could be written off. Maybe one of the two investors can't use that depreciation and the other one can. So maybe one investor could get the full 600,000. The other one does not get it. And either they understood that when they're coming in or they can't, one compensates the other investor for being able to use their depreciation. That's something we'll discuss in the workshop as well as at the tax strategy summit. Another thing to keep in mind is that if you invest in a piece of real estate or a business and have debt on it, and again, you're buying the business or you're buying an asset and it's a million dollar expense. And if it can be depreciated that first year for a million dollars, um, or let's say a better example is 50% depreciation rate on a million dollar investment. That means 500,000 could be written off. But again, if you get 500,000 of debt on that asset and 500,000 equity, now dollar per dollar, 100% of every dollar you invest is being written off. If an investor hears that, they're gonna lean forward. If they get 25% to 50% write off, that's pretty good, it's much better than nothing. Um, if they can get 60, 70, 80, 90, 100% dollar per dollar written off, that effectively means when they invest $100,000, they really only invested $60,000. So if they just get 1.2 times their money back, a 20% return, they've effectively doubled their money because they really only put in 60,000 after the tax beneficial treatment. And now doubling someone's money is just giving them a 20% return. That's pretty great. Capital raising is always hard. If you can make things more tax efficient, you're gonna make your life easier. Most people don't spend time researching this. And I am um, about 20 interviews deep into my 100 interview tax interview series that I'm doing. Um, and I should have that completed in 2021. So we're really growing our knowledge base in this area. Um, we appreciate you following our brand and our work. I hope that we can help you become more savvy at navigating the tax code. And if you're listening to me thinking, you know, Richard doesn't, is not even scratching the surface, he should have also mentioned this and this, um, then let me know. Maybe you're one of the 100 tax interviews we should be doing. Um, and sharing that knowledge with our community. So appreciate your attention um, here today. Take care.